0: could see y'all here tonight on our midweek service. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Guess what you got to do, right? There we go. You can't sit down and sing this song anyway. All right, lift it up tonight as we sing. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross, lift up. Stay. heavenly sunlight heavenly sunlight 361 if you need your books lift it up tonight as we sing walking in sunlight all of my journey over the mountains through the deep vale. jesus has said i'll never forsake thee. promise divine that never can fail heavenly sunlight heavenly sunlight My soul with glory divine. Hallelujah. I am rejoicing, singing his praises. Jesus is mine. Shadows around me, shadows above me, never conceal my Savior and guide. He is the light, in him is no darkness. Ever I'm walking close to his side. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding my soul with glory divine. Hallelujah, I am rejoicing, singing His praises, Jesus is mine. In the bright sunlight, ever rejoicing, pressing my way to mansions above. Singing His praises, gladly I'm walking, walking in sunlight, sunlight of love. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding my soul with glory divine. Hallelujah, I am rejoicing, singing His praises, Jesus is mine. In. Good job of singing. You may be seated. I'm going to ask Brother Dave Barbie, would you open us in prayer tonight, please? Brother Dave. <laughs>
1: real quick tonight uh, just touch on a few things pastor's going to elaborate here in just a little bit but on the uh, ministry update from uh, david corn uh, he's got some neat things here and so uh just i'm just going to give you his salvations throughout and so he had five saved uh then he had that uh, uh four public schools had 37 saved uh that 220 visitors 27 of those were saved 150 visitors six got saved out of 2,000 visitors, uh, 47 got saved. 400 visitors, we had 22 saved, and then 370 visitors was 30 saved. And Those were out of uh, seven uh, vis- or seven weeks worth of uh, shows that he has put on, and so we praise the Lord for that. But uh, just a prayer request, and like I said, Pastor is going to elaborate on it. Our meeting this year, these our meetings this year have been incredibly blessed. We uh, we focus some really uh, difficult ones with our trailer i 'm sorry, we have faced some real difficulties with our trailer. Uh, we have been trying to make the repairs and nurse it along, uh, but is now unable or uh, uh, undeniable that we have to let it go. I, I need the missionaries names because I have more ease with those than just basic English. apparently. <laughs> all right, maybe I need to take my glasses off and read. There we go. all right. So, we've used it for nine years, and although we had uh, hoped to get a few more years out of it because of our large, heavy illusion equipment, plus putting 25,000 miles a year on it, uh, it is just worn out. The frame broke in three places in January. We basically to- uh, basically totals an RV, but we did pay to have it taken apart, rewelded, and back together. But after all those repairs, it uh, is not holding up. It's possible that there is another frame failure somewhere else. Right now, the outside RV wall is separating from the frame, which is causing multiple issues. We cannot lock or even close our door, so we're using a bungee cord to keep the door shut. It is uh, in a separate in, an, in a separate issue. Our biggest slide out is out of commission. It needs to be replaced. Uh, so it is stuck inside, which greatly interferes with our living spaces. And so, Pastor is going to elaborate on that. So, all right, thank, thank you,
2: Brother Brian. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you'd like to you give an offering to that, we are going to, for the next couple weeks, take up an offering. I already had somebody uh, donate to that and mentioned it. Of course, they've been a great blessing to us here at Central Baptist Church and grew, grew up here, uh, but it's a big expense. Of course, they, they did not anticipate, but the, he is correct. He, they do need to get a, a different RV. Uh, they, they've just grown family-wise and equipment-wise way too much. And uh, so you'd be in prayer first and foremost on that. If you do want to donate, just put David Corn. And I'll get with the online that just kind of came up today. We'll try to get that online as well for you for the next couple of weeks. And we'll make sure that we get that to, to them in a couple of weeks. And it'll be good, good stuff. Definitely so. Well, just a few prayer requests we're going to mention. Uh, we do have a missionary tonight. We're excited to announce as well. Uh, but in that, of course, uh, little Rhett uh, Laramie uh, was born yesterday. Seven pounds, nine ounces, 20 inches long. So now we have Jet and Rhett. And I know, I'm like, uh, it's going to be a jet red. They're all going to come. And uh, so we're excited about that and excited for them. So everything seemed to go good there. And uh, also Don Loney feeling better, may get to come home tomorrow. And uh, so he's been down there for a long time now. Uh, Dina Cornish is suffering from some vertigo pray for her and then Brad Loney as well as stomach If you'd continue to pray for him And then Miss um, Peggy Doyle's son Chris Mormon had open-heart surgery and is doing well And uh, going through that recovery it was just yesterday. So we've got that recovery. Uh, he's young I can't remember how old Chris is, but he, he's 55. Yeah, so uh, you pray for him if you would glad they caught that and uh healing up there so there's other prayer requests of course we're not going to do our normal uh prayer request time that we normally do on a wednesday night we do have a a missionary but i wanted to at least update you on those things also we have discovering church membership and so again tomorrow night um uh, at five o'clock to six anywhere in between there we have a meal And uh, so we say 5 to 6, you can come anytime you want in between there. We have a class that starts at 6 o'clock, from 6 to 8 o'clock. And uh, we do have babysitters if you need that, or kids are welcome to come as well, obviously. Uh, But we challenge you to come. Uh, You can sign up. If you don't sign up, you can still just show up. Sign-ups may need that we get enough food, but we always order extra. And it's Danny's Barbecue, so come on out. Now, when I say that, I hesitate to say Danny's Barbecue, because I know some of you. Some of like, well, Pastor, I was just passing by the church and smelt something. I know how this works. Uh, but no, honestly, I'd uh, love to have you. love to have you come on out. So if you're a, a guest here and you've been thinking uh, uh, about Central Baptist, want to know a little bit more, uh, we call it Discovering Church Membership because we do just explain what our church is about. Uh, our philosophy. Go over some of our doctrines, direction, structure of the church. Uh, I run that class. You can ask me any questions you want. Uh, so it's a it's a good time. So I challenge you to come on out to that. And if you haven't made plans, we'd love to have you tomorrow night. It'd be a real real good time. Definitely so. So those are the main things going on. I want to make sure that you are aware of that. Uh, we're gonna have a word of prayer and then Brother Andy's going to come lead in a song, and then I'll introduce our missionary. Lord, we come to now, and Lord, we do thank you and praise you for each and every opportunity you give us, Lord, to come before you. Lord, as we brought up these few prayer requests, I pray that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we'll even take time to share with one another the other burdens and praises that are in our lives, uh, Lord, and that we can go forward and strengthen one another. Therefore, uh, we uh, definitely rejoice, Lord, in little Rhett being born and everything going good there, and continue to pray, Lord, for good health there, and, Lord, we're excited about Brother Don Loney getting ready to come home, possibly tomorrow. That's a good blessing. Um, uh, Brother Mormon, Lord, coming through his surgery fine. Lord, we thank you for that. And, Lord, each of these situations, Lord, is just a joy. And Lord, we know of many other health situations out there, and uh, some in private prayer, uh, some uh, online, Lord. And we just pray for them. and. I know strep's going around. Pray for little Nora, Lord, as, as you heal her from that. And I know I was talking to several that just came out of strep. And so pray for our kids and adults alike, Lord, that are catching that. And we do pray for quick healing, that they're able to, uh, Lord, uh, take the liquids and the medicine and, and be fine there. Uh, Can you pray for our school, Lord. We thank you for our school and, and uh, Lord, the teachers and the parents and the kids there. And continue to bless them. And that ministry, Lord, as it's going strong this year. And so, Lord, we just thank you and praise you. we thank for our missionary tonight, Brother Colin, Lord, and we pray that you bless him and on their journey, and uh, Lord, as they continue to raise support to get to the field of England, Lord, that you'd bless and strengthen them as well. And now, Lord, we thank you for this time to come. May your spirit be with us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: All right, one more song tonight. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Page 403 if you need your books. There will never be sweeter story story of the savior's love divine love that brought him from the realms of glory just to save a sinful soul like mine isn't the love of jesus something wonderful 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 isn't the love of jesus something wonderful wonderful it is to me boundless as the universe around me reaching to the farthest soul away saving keeping love it was that found me that is why my heart can truly say isn't the love of jesus something wonderful jesus something wonderful wonderful it is to me stand with me would you as we sing on our last verse now love beyond our human comprehending love of god in christ how can it be this will be my theme and never ending great redeeming love of calvary isn't the love of jesus something wonderful? wonderful 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 oh isn't the love of jesus something wonderful wonderful it is to me great
2: job of singing you may be seated amen appreciate that andy and tonight we are blessed uh, Brother and Mrs. Hendricks are with us, and they're going to be missionaries to England. I do have that correct, right? And uh, so we'll make sure we get that all right. And uh, so we've known them. I don't know how long it's been. A long time since Heartland and beyond. And. And uh, I, I probably should have thought they both sing. Probably should have made them sing tonight. I didn't even think about that. And uh, so travel with witness and assurance and, uh, and everything. So we praise the Lord for that. Uh, but we're excited, excited about their call to the ministry and what God is going to do with them. Sharp family, mainly because of Miss Callie, of course. But anyways, uh, very sharp family. And, uh, but uh, we're glad that they're here and presenting uh, tonight. So Brother Khan is gonna show his video. And uh, do you wanna say anything before we, we talk about that? So we'll show that, he'll come up. Uh, say a few things or get into the word of God, but you want to get by and see them. Uh, I get excited when we see these young couples, uh, sharp young couples uh, that are equipped and ready and and want to go serve on the mission field because God's called them. And so they've accepted that call. And uh, that's always an exciting thing when God calls and people accept. And so we're excited to have them. So be sure to get by and chat with them afterwards, get a prayer card, be praying for them. And we're looking forward to the presentation. So gentlemen, if you're ready, we'll go ahead and show the video. And right after, Brother Colin, if you'll come up and present, that'd be great.
3: England, a country rich in world and religious history. Known for the royal family, renowned authors such as Charles Dickens and William Shakespeare, red buses, black cabs, tea, and a variety of unique accents. This small island country is only 300 miles across at its largest point. And yet the impact that it has had upon the modern world is remarkable. During the 18th century, a spark of the gospel ignited, resulting in revivals that cut across denominational lines and straight to the souls of men, touching every class of society and producing many great preachers and missionaries. For years, God used England as the epicenter of the gospel to be spread across the globe. However, England has since fallen from its pinnacle of Gospel influence. The English people have grown cold to the Gospel and their need for the Savior. With modern conveniences and technology, God and His Word have become a relic of the past in the lives of the English. This mindset is especially felt in the capital city, London. London is home to nearly 9.5 million people and is bustling with life, creativity, and energy. It is a place that takes enormous pride in its diverse and cosmopolitan culture. In address to the city, Mayor Sadiq Khan said, London is the world in one city with more than 300 languages spoken on our streets. The fact that we are home to people of every color, class, culture, and creed is precisely what makes London so special. Considering the vast number of immigrants from all around the world who have made the big smoke their home, the religious demographic of London is extremely vast. Almost half of the city claim Christianity as their religion but merely in word and not in practice. The majority of those who do attend Christian churches believe in a works-based salvation and not a personal relationship with God. Many also claim to be agnostic or atheist, while Muslim and Hindu influences are making headway throughout the city. Although many Londoners claim some form of religion, the city is predominantly in a post-church era in practice. We are the Hendricks family and God has called us to plant churches in this spiritually desolate city. Will you prayerfully consider partnering with us as we endeavor to take the gospel back to England?
4: Hello, it is so good to be here. Thank you for having us. My name is Colin. My wife is occupying the back row tonight, and she is Callie. We have two little ones. Hadley is three, and Bo is one and a half, and is built like a rock. So that's pretty much it. So yeah, we're going to the field of London, England. Like you heard, it has nine and a half million people. If you get into the metro of London, um, you can get upwards into 15 million people which is a whole lot, um, and, and it's in, when, I, when I tell people about England, I, and I tell them usually just two, two or three quick things, and one of them is this, England is one-eighth the size of Texas, so I know you'll have to forgive me, but I am a Texan, so I'm going to have to talk about it a couple times tonight to make myself feel comfortable, but Texas is eight times as large as England, but England has double the amount of people as Texas. So 60 million people crammed into what, pretty com- close comparison to the state of Alabama. 60 million people, and 15 million of those live in the metro of London. London has, like, a, like you heard, over 300 languages spoken, so many people from every corner of the globe. The Hindu temple that you saw in our video, we actually took that video. That's the largest Hindu temple outside of India. It's in London, England. Two of the largest, largest Islamic mosques outside of the Middle East are in London. One of them is about a 15-minute walk from Buckingham Palace, just to show you how prominent it is in the city. But then also the largest one, they have about three to 5,000 people at every prayer time that go to that mosque and they pray to Allah, who they claim is God, and then... Um, there's mosque all around the city, but also every other every other religion under the sun that you can imagine is in that city. But it's an exciting place to be going to and ministering to. There's history all over the place. When you walk around the city, it's an amazing thing to walk around and see where William Carey and David Livingston and people in our heritage, our Baptist heritage had been at one time, Charles Spurgeon those. And when you come to church and you have the King James Bible, you hold a piece of our history that came from that tiny little island in the North Sea. It's an amazing place and we're super excited to go and we ask that you pray for us. Because there are millions of people there that will never know the Lord unless someone goes and tells them, so pray for them, pray for them, and pray for us as well as we go we 've been on the road for seven months. the Lord is blessed we 've done probably seventeen thousand miles in seven months with two little ones they 're way better travelers than i am i 'm whining by the end of it, and they 're still they 're ready to go so uh, they are much better than I am, but just pray for us. We're excited about it, really are. We're passionate about going, and it's an incredible thing when I walk into a room, and I'm the one with a thick accent, so it's, a, it's, a, it's really fun. I got a haircut in, in London a couple times, and my, my, we were getting, I was getting a haircut, and the barber next to me said, man, that guy's got a really bad accent, and I'm like, I don't have the accent, you do, so... You know, it's a fun place in their culture. You know, it's very, very different than ours. If you go to Lubbock, Texas and you walk into Bethany Baptist Church and you ask somebody how their day is or tell, say, hey, tell me, tell me about yourself, they'll tell you their whole life story and about their uncle that's in prison and more. Like, you don't want to know these things. But then you go to England and they are very private people. They, uh, you know, you can have a friend for over a year and not know their last name not know if they're married, not know if they have kids. All you know is just how you know them. So if your barber's name is John, he's John the barber until you find something else about him. And it's just, it, that's just how they are. They're very, very private people, and then even more so private when it comes to their sin and their need of a Savior. And, but they're also very proper, so they use a lot of manners and things like that. And I'm from Texas, so obviously we eat with our hands. And so, but they eat everything with a fork and knife. Everything. I started off dinner tonight, I had a burger and I started off dinner with a fork and knife because I'm trying to practice. I don't want to stick out that bad, you know what I mean? But then I got lazy and I just picked it up and ate it like a real person. So yeah. <laughs> so they're very private, very proper, but they're also super polite people. If you've ever been to New York City, um, when I went to New York City, especially as a teenager, I got yelled at, I got pushed, I got told to get out of the way and whatnot. When we went to London, which is comparable in size and the amount of people, um, we had two strollers. And every time my wife would go down the tube station or up the tube station stairs, the subway stairs, uh, someone would offer to help carry her, her stroller with her. Just a random British stranger in the middle of a huge city. But they're very, very polite. And so... It's nice for interacting with them, but also kind of hard whenever you're telling them the gospel because they're going to be polite enough to listen, but maybe not give you the time of day, but they're nice enough to listen the whole time. So pray for us. We're excited about it. We really are. We've been on the road, like I said, seven months. The Lord's blessed. And I'm excited about tonight. Deuteronomy chapter number four is where we'll be. Deuteronomy chapter number four. And I know it doesn't sound like a missions maybe uh, passage, But I think as we get there, um, you'll understand how it can relate to missions, but also just the entirety of our lives. Deuteronomy chapter number four, I'm thankful for your pastor. I was telling a group over here, he's known me, I think, since I was about 18, Brother Waterloo. Now, I'm not 30 yet, and I say that with pride, but (laughs) Brother Waterloo said someone that's 55 isn't even that old, so I guess I'm still a child, but... Um, no, I, I've known your pastor for over 10 years, and I'm thankful for him. He's helped me along the way. He taught me a class, and he told the class, some of you are going to fail, and I loved it. I was like, sweet, because, you know, then it gives me an excuse if I did fail. Um, but no, um, that meant, you know, he just was straight to the point, and that's what I needed, black and white, and I love that. I needed that in my young years, and I need it still today sometimes. So... Deuteronomy chapter number 4, this is an interesting passage. And it's actually following the first, obviously, three chapters of Deuteronomy because it's the fourth one. But the first three chapters, Moses is reminding the Israelites of what God has done in their history. Now, we know the Old Testament and we understand Genesis and Exodus. Leviticus is obviously the giving of the law. Numbers, there's a lot of things that happen in the book of Numbers. And so, so Moses is over and over and over telling the people, remember when God did this, don't forget that God did this, remember when God did this, and he reminds them over and over and over again. And then we get to chapter number four, and chapter number four is what commentators, people that are way smarter than me, call this, they call it Moses' Sermon on Obedience. And so Moses starts this sermon, and he begins to tell the people why they should be obedient to God. I want to read the passage with you and then pray and then get into the message. But I wanted to give you just that little quick background so we can get into it. So look at verse number 1 of chapter number 4. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live, and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught diminish from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor. For all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God, hath destroyed them from among you. But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive every one of you this day. And then he goes on to tell them that he's taught them the word of God. Then look at verse number 9, and then we'll pray. He says this, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. I'd love to pray with you one more time and then get into it. Father, we're grateful for your word. Lord, I pray that you bless this time tonight, and Lord, help me just to convey the message I believe you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, I'm a Texan, which I know is most of you aren't even listening at this point but I am a Texan and but I may be a Texan but my dad is more of a Texan than than I am I don't I feel like I don't even sound like a Texan and when you talk to my mom and dad my my wife always says I don't know how you got out of that house without an accent and so my dad he wears the cowboy hat he's got the handlebar mustache He's got a big old beard and at times he looks a little bit Amish. But when he does, I tell him he needs to trim it up so he stops looking like his name is Yoder. So but he's got he's got the cowboy hat, the handlebar mustache, the giant beard, and then he he wears this thing that I call his Texas two-piece. Let me explain it to you. You probably you've probably seen it in Oklahoma. It's a Wrangler denim shirt with Wrangler denim jeans. Whether they're the same color or not doesn't matter. It could be darker and lighter, you know, darker and lighter, or it could be the exact same, and he could just look like one giant piece of denim walking around. Obviously, he's got the cowboy belt, and then he's got his cowboy boots. And and for some reason, whenever he's in his Texas two-piece, I feel like he's always wanting to just give his one-liners more than he usually would. Now, he's the typical dad. And dads, I feel like you can relate to this. And kids, if, you're, if any of you are in here are children of your dad and still in the home, you can relate to this. And obviously your wives can because the wives in here can say, yes, I hear these all the time. Your husband, who is a dad, has these one-liners that he lives by and wants everyone else to live by in their life. Am I right? Okay, I got some smiles out there. That means we got a few. So my dad has a few. Actually, he has a lot, so I'm just going to tell you a few, and then we'll get to the one that I feel like is kind of important, but he always, you know, whenever I played sports, and and especially baseball, he'd always stand in the middle of, like like near the pitcher's mound, but near first base, and he'd always yell at the whole team, you play the way you practice, and you know, at this point, we're not practicing well, we're all running around, and throwing Gatorade on each other or something. We don't know. And so my dad would always yell, you play the way you practice. If you're going to mess around during practice, you're going to lose the games. Well, you know, we had to prove him wrong. And so we still lost, but we had fun doing it. So, so you play the way you practice. That's always a good one. And then he has one now that I've gotten married and my wife's from the Northwest. She's from Washington state. And for some reason, he's developed this one since I've been married. And so every time we go out to eat and it's at a Mexican restaurant or if we're having burritos or something, my dad will look at my wife every time and say, Callie, now listen, if you get that hot sauce in your eye, it's going to burn for a week. And for some reason, like he doesn't think that she's a grown woman and knows that, but he has to remind her every single time. And you got to hear it in the Texas accent. He's like, now Callie, listen, If you get that hot sauce, I'm telling you, I mean, it's as thick as it gets. And and so he's got these one-liners and you know, this one is always, this is my least favorite one. Now that we've been driving on the road so much, like I said, 17,000 miles in seven months, my dad will call me and he said, now son, I need you to be careful on them roads. And I'm saying, yes, sir, dad, I'm gonna be careful. And here's the one-liner. It's not you that I'm worried about. It's them other idiots on the road. And so I started to think about that and I thought, okay. And then he said, other idiots. That means he thinks I'm one, too. And I'm like, Dad, that is wrong. And then he says, yeah, but you know what I mean. And I'm like, yeah, I know what you mean. So, but here's the one that that relates to the sermon tonight, and it's this here. It's, son, you you can always learn something from everyone. You can learn something from everyone. And what he's saying is this, you can learn good lessons, bad lessons, hard lessons, and easy lessons from anybody, whether they're successful in life or they're doing the absolute worst, you can learn something from them. Well, that means you have to be observant, doesn't it? Well, here in this text, Moses, he's telling the people to be observant, not only to what God has said, but later on we'll see, but also the history, the first three chapters of Deuteronomy, the history of the Israelites. And so like I read earlier, he says, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments, which I teach you. And then he says this, For to do them, here's here's the key, if you do them, ye may live, and go in and possess the land. Now we know the land to be the land that flows with milk and honey, right? The promised land. And he says this, Which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. He's already given it. All you have to do is follow what he says. He says, And then he says, "Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish it. So he's saying, don't add or take away. Now we understand if you add to God's word, well then you're doing more than he said. And it's probably just a tradition that's not really good. We see that in the Pharisees, right? But then he also says, don't take away from what God has said. Because if you take something away from the word of God, obviously you're not doing all of it, right? It's Wednesday. Who worked hard today? Amen, amen. Okay, we're going to get there. And so then... He says, "This, your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor." Personally, I don't remember Baal Peor off the top of my head. You're probably way more spiritual than me, and you probably know exactly what this story is about. But just in case you don't, Baal Peor is a very, very intense time in the in Israelites' history, where the Bible says that some of the Israelites joined themselves. And committed whoredom with the Moabites. So they joined themselves and they began to worship these false gods of the Moabites. Well, whenever they began to do that, it made God angry and it made him jealous. And so he called Moses and the Israelites' leaders together and he told them exactly what was gonna happen. He said, You are gonna take everybody that joined themselves to Moab and you're gonna get rid of them completely. And whenever you're doing that, also, there's a plague breaking out right now in the camp of Israel that's gonna kill people. And so Moses and the leadership start to act, and thousands upon thousands of people are dying from this plague that's sweeping through the camp. And as this is happening, people begin to gather themselves to the front of the tabernacle, and they're crying and weeping and crying out to God and asking him to make the plague stop. Well, as they're there, a guy named Phinehas is standing there, and the Moabite woman and the Israelite man that started the whole thing with Moab they bring themselves forward to the front of the tabernacle. Well, Phineas, he's a zealous guy when you read this. He takes a spear and he kills them both. As soon as he does that, the plague stops. Now, that's an intense story, isn't it? And he says, Moses says this, he says, For all the men that followed Baal-peor, the Lord thy God, hath destroyed them from among you. But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you this day. Keep therefore... I'm sorry, verse 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land, whither ye go to possess it. And then he says, keep therefore. So everything that I've taught you, keep them and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of nations, which shall hear all these statutes. And they'll say, this is what the nations will say. Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. And then Moses comes back and he says, for what nation is there so great? Who hath God so nice, so close unto them? And here's another one. As the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all the law which I set before you this day? And whenever I saw the the statutes and judgments that are righteous, I began to think, well, what's an unrighteous law? And then I didn't have to think very long because our nation has a handful of unrighteous laws, right? Right? And so we see that Moses is telling the people, look, God has set out exactly what you need to do, exactly what you need to do, exactly what you need to know so you can live and possess the promised land. All you have to do is do what he says. And he addresses the nation in these first eight verses, but then the text takes a really big transition and it goes from the entire nation of Israel to the individual. Look at it with me, verse number nine, only... Take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently. Now, whenever I began to study this passage out, this is a very interesting part of the passage, and it's kind of like the linchpin for the entire passage. So right here, whenever he says, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently. So the words heed and keep are actually the same Hebrew word. So they are, they're the same Hebrew word, and it's protect, to protect, guard, or attend to. So Moses says, only protect, guard, or attend to yourself and your soul. But then the next word is a really interesting one, and it's the word diligently. Diligently, when you get down to the, just the main brass tacks idea of it, it's this it's to turn or gather embers together. To turn or gather embers. Now, personally, I really like fire. Anybody else? Anybody else like to burn things? Yeah, burn in your trash? It's one of my favorite things to do because then you throw things that aren't supposed to be in there, but you do it. So, But I like to burn things. And when we bought a house in Lubbock, and I know it doesn't get super cold in Lubbock, I told my wife, I want a fireplace. I grew up without a fireplace. I thought it would be so cool to have one. So I told my wife, I don't care what else the rest of the house is like, I want a fireplace. She said, okay, cool. So we told our realtor, this is our list. And we bought this house in Lubbock and it has a fireplace. And we used it when it was cold, which is like three days out of the year, but we used it. So we bought our house, and this was probably March of 2017. We didn't have any kids, and I think about six months, seven months into the year, it snowed. And when it snows in Lubbock, I don't know if it's like this in Ponca City, but pretty much every inch of snow you get is how many days the city is going to be shut down. So this, is that how it is in Ponca? Yeah, we don't know how to drive in Lubbock, so... Yeah, it was wild. So eight eight inches or so, and we're there at the house, school gets canceled, it's like, Woo, yeah, we're not doing anything today. We didn't have any kids. So snow days were really fun back then. So um I told my wife, Hey, let's let's start a fire. She's like, Oh yeah, let's 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 do that. So she's in the kitchen, probably baking or something, because we didn't have kids, so we just got to do whatever we wanted. So <clears throat> I start working on building this fire. So I go outside, and I got a dumb dog at this point, and he follows me out. You know what dogs do. They run out in the snow and get filthy. So I, got, I grabbed some logs, came back into the house, threw the logs in the fireplace, cleaned up the dumb dog, and I started to work on um, starting this fire. Now, in Lubbock, in West Texas area, there's these free newspapers called Thrifty Nichols. Does they have something like that here. Okay, so... I know you're only, it says take one. Uh, We had a youth activity and we needed a bunch of them. So I had like 150 thrifty nickels. I don't know if that's stealing or not. And if it is, forgive me. But so we had, they're all free. So free times anything is still free, right? So, So huge stack of thrifty nickels. My face is turning red. I can feel it. So. So we had this huge stack of thrifty nickels. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm like lighting these thrifty nickels on fire and throwing them in there and I'm working on starting this fire. I'm trying to get it going. And I mean, the ashes of this newspaper is just building up underneath the logs and then nothing's happening. And, and I promise you after about an hour, yeah, I know I said an hour, after about an hour, my wife looks at me, she comes over and she's like, Hey, do you, do you want me to help you start this fire? And I said, sure, whatever you want to do. So she looks at the fire. She kind of takes a look, kind of just take, you know, my wife, she's not like a jump in there. Like, you know, Peter bust into the tomb. John stayed back. My wife's kind of that way. So she kind of looks at the fire and she, well, not the fire, the mess that I have. And she looks at me, she goes, Colin, where's your, where's your kindling? I said, what's kindling? Remember, I grew up in Texas, Okay. My wife's from the Northwest, they uh, heated their home with a, with, a, with a wood stove her entire life. So she's a pro. So she says, where's your kindling? I'm like, what's kindling? So she explains kindling to me and I say, okay, well, um, I'll go get some. So I go outside, make some kindling. She, she puts the kindling in the fire under the logs and she says, hand me a thrifty nickel. And I said, listen, I already tried the thrifty nickels. They're not working. Well, apparently you're supposed to roll them up real nice and tight, you know, all those things. So she lights it on fire. I'm telling you, this is a true story. And so she sticks it, um, the, the thrifty nickel, it's all nice and tight. It's burning way longer than mine were. And she sticks it under there, under the kindling. Well, the kindling light's on fire. This is much farther than I've been so far. And she, she starts to, you know, kind of stoke that fire. And then she blows on it, the logs light up. And once the logs are lit, I'm good to go. I can keep a fire going. All you gotta do is throw more wood on it, right? And so this fire starts to go, well, and, and I take logs and I mean stumps probably, and I'm putting them in the fireplace because I like my fire so hot, you know, it's, it's kind of like I'm a, I'm a quick trip hot dog. You know, they've been sitting there way too long and I want it to feel like my face is kind of, <laughs> kind of stretching like that. That's how hot I want it. So I want it ripping. And so uh, she, she gets it going, I get it ripping. Well, I get it so hot we had to stay up like way late into the wee hours of the morning because we didn't want to wake up, you know, dead. So, so we stay up for a really long time. And like I said, we don't have kids. This is the huge detail of as to why I say that. We slept in the next morning. And so we wake up the next morning. There's still like six inches of snow. We've got at least three and a half days of nothing. So I say, hey babe, let's start a fire. She's like, oh yeah, for sure. I said, I'll go get some kindling. And she said, no, 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 we don't need any kindling. I look at her and I'm like, babe, you need kindling to start a fire. Like, I know, you know what I mean? And she's like, no, 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 you don't. Just go get some logs. I'm like, whatever. So I go grab some logs and I bring them in. And she grabs my favorite tool. I brought it tonight. This fire poker. It's really my favorite because it looks like you could really hurt somebody with it. But she grabs this tool and she gets underneath the logs and she starts to stir all those ashes around, but come to find out, they're not just ashes, right? She starts to stir around underneath and kind of pull those things together, and it starts to glow red. And I'm like, why did we not just do this yesterday? Like, there's coals underneath. Like, we could have just started this way, but whatever. So she she starts to stir around, and I'm kinda, I've, I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. I've never been, I've never started fires the correct way, okay? And so she's stirring around, these coals start to glow. We have the logs on top and then she gets underneath and you know what she does? She just blows on it, right? Like that. And then what happens? The whole thing makes the best noise in the world. Just like that. And the logs light on fire and we got a fire burning again. Well, that's the idea. This, This idea right here that Moses is talking about when he says the word diligently. He says to... To protect, guard, and attend to yourself and your soul diligently like a fire. Like stirring the embers and gathering those embers around and keeping a fire alive to protect, guard, and attend to yourself and your soul like a fire that's going to keep you alive in the middle of the winter. You see the idea there so far? So, so why, protect, why protect, guard, and attend to yourself that way? Well, look at the next part of the verse. Because if you're not doing that for yourself and your soul, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. You'll forget. Now, what had the Israelites seen? They had seen some amazing things, hadn't they? I mean, at this point in their history, I mean, Exodus happened, right? Go back all the way to Egypt. And when you begin to look at the plagues of Egypt, I mean, those things were incredible, weren't they? The Nile River turned to blood. The dust of Egypt. Have you ever seen a picture of Egypt? Would you say it's dusty? The dust of Egypt turned to lice. That's nasty. We had a lice outbreak at camp one year. I'm glad I had the boys. I'm just saying it that way. Like lice and the Egyptians. And then they also had the locusts come through. They had hailstones. They had the boils. They had everything. But they had my favorite one, the frogs. Can you imagine a divine judgment of God of frogs. Gross. I hate frogs. Have you ever slept next to a pond with bullfrogs? You're not sleeping that night. It's impossible. It doesn't matter if you go out there and throw a rock. They're just going to start as soon as you lay back down. I mean, it's horrible, but the frogs. And then, you know, this is my favorite part of all the plagues, is whenever Moses says, when do you want the frogs gone? Pharaoh says, tomorrow, because he's a dummy. And so he wants one more night with the frogs. And then, after one more night with the frogs, they all die. They don't just disappear. And they say they gathered them into, into heaps. And then it says this they stinketh. That's the King James Version and say they stanky. That's what it was right there. They were nasty. And so then they have the frogs, they have everything. And then they have the Passover. And the Egyptians are like, get out of here, right? So they send the Israelites gone, they get to the Red Sea, and then the Israelites turn to Moses and say, you brought us out here to die, didn't you? God says, Moses, lift your arms up. He lifts his arms up and the Red Sea parts, right? They walk across on dry ground. They get to the other side, they see the, one of the strongest armies in the world crushed by two walls of water, and then they get thirsty. Moses, you brought us out here to die, didn't you? God says, hit that rock over there with that stick in your hand. And he hits the rock, and what happens? Water comes gushing out, right? Well, then they're hungry. Manna comes from the sky. Like, that's amazing, right? Just food from the sky that you could eat. It's not a bug either. Like, it's food. So, I mean, they've got manna, they've got water, and and they begin to see miracle after miracle. But then they get sick of the manna, and they say, we want meat, which I understand, I like a good steak, a good burger. I mean, I do. And God says, well, if you want meat, I'll give you meat. And so he gives them quail. Now, personally, I think quail is a waste of time. It's like a mini chicken nugget. Like, it's just, it's just not, there's not enough there for it. You know, it's just, it's a waste of time, but whatever. So they had quail and the Bible says they had so much quail, it was coming out of their nostrils, like out their nose. That's a lot of Quail. But then they go on, water comes from the rock again, and then also, I mean, the brazen serpent. They put a brazen serpent up in the sky, and what happened? They were all getting bit by snakes. Well, look to the serpent and you'll survive. I mean, miracle after miracle after miracle, right? I mean, they saw the sons of Korah get swallowed by the earth. And Moses says, don't forget. Now, we can say, how could they, right? But then Moses doesn't even talk about the plagues. He doesn't talk about the wilderness wanderings, except for this one thing. Look at the next verse with me. He says, to teach them to your sons and your sons' sons. But then he says, specially, specially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together. And I will make them hear my words that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. And it says this: ye came near and stood under the mountain. The mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. Now, when you read this account, and they begin to approach this mountain, it's not like they were like, man, that's a cool-looking mountain. They fell on their face and begged God not to kill them, right? And they actually didn't even speak to God themselves. They said, Moses, talked to God for us. And then, look at this next verse. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of, of the fire. Don't miss this next part. Ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude. Only ye heard a voice. And he declared, God himself declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, even ten commandments, And he wrote them upon two tables of stone. Did you catch that? They heard the voice of God. Give them the ten commandments. And Moses says, don't forget. How could they, right? I mean, it's unforgettable. The things that they had seen were unforgettable things. Like moms would have been referencing, now listen here, Johnny or however you say Johnny in Hebrew. You remember the time you heard God's voice? He said you're supposed to honor me. Can you imagine? Like the reminders, like there's no getting away from that one. I I know that that piece of manna looked really good from their tent. You weren't supposed to steal that. God said it, remember? And like they literally heard his voice. And Moses says, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget but we've read the rest of the Old Testament, right? We've we've read the book of Judges and we've read the major prophets and the minor prophets and those prophets, what did they do? They preached to the Israelites to come back to God because they forgot. I mean, look at the book of Judges. Every man did that which was right in his own mind and they had the word of God telling them exactly what they should have done but they forgot. But When God called us to go to England, I started to kind of filter through when I read my Bible or studied for a sermon, kind of filter through, okay, well, where are the British people in this? Well, I think about England, you know, our our missionary, I guess you'd call it a catchphrase, taking the gospel back to England. Well, it's because they had it and they actually sent it here. But somewhere along the way, they forgot the amazing acts that God had done in and through their nation. On this tiny little island, he sent the gospel around the world and translated the word of God into the English language, and they forgot. But before I'm a missionary, I'm also an American, and I think about our own nation and how it's founded on scripture and principles of the word of God. And you can walk through Washington, D.C. and walk through our the buildings that our politicians are in all the time, and there's scripture etched into the walls. But I believe our our nation's forgetting. And I know we're in Oklahoma, like conservative Oklahoma. But there's probably some things that you see on the news that may get you a little bit riled up. Because we see our nation going in a direction that it's never gone before. It's forgetting. But how, how... was the nation of Israel supposed to follow the word of God by individual remembrance? Well, they were supposed to remember the things that God had done in their lives. So the question is this. How can we help Central Baptist Church continue to follow the word of God? And how can we help Ponca City follow the word of God in Oklahoma and the nation in general? How? You have to remember You, individually, have to remember the mighty acts of God in your life. Because for the Israelites, if they were going to stay obedient to God, the fire of remembrance was going to be stoked by the mighty acts that he had already performed. And so you can say, well, I've never seen the Red Sea part. I've never even seen a puddle part, right? And you can say, well, I've never seen manna fall from the sky and never had quail out my nostrils. Maybe you have. You can say, I've never seen miracles like they've seen, but if you're saved, I mean, if you're saved, God quickened you from the dead and he forgave you, wrapped you in a robe of righteousness, you became a son, you became like a son of a king. You're a prince or a princess. There it is. That's an amazing miracle that has taken place in your life if you're saved. But how often, Colin Hendricks included, can we not have the desire to obey. Right? I I mean, there's plenty of times where I want to be completely impatient with my three-year-old daughter. Her emotions are on the level of a (laughs) 16-year-old. I mean, I'm telling you, tonight when we go to bed, I hope the hysteria doesn't hit. I promise you. Because that's when I lack my desire to be obedient the absolute most. When I'm tired and ready to go to bed and the emotions are high, I'm like, we got to calm this down. But I don't want to show patience, and I don't want to show the love that she needs. I want to just be a mean old ogre. You know what I mean? And so I lack the desire to obey at times, and maybe you lack the desire to obey. Maybe it's been a tight week on the budget, and it comes to Sunday, and you know you're supposed to tithe, and you know you gave your faith promise. And and I know. I'm a guest, and I'm preaching on giving. I'm sorry. But it's like, man, it's been a tight week. I I don't know if we're going to make it if we drop this check, it's almost like you want to ask the secretary, "When do you deposit?" You know, and and you want to lack that faith and lack that desire. Or maybe it, it's when you're maybe you drive to Tulsa. There's a lot of people that drive in Tulsa. They call it driving. It doesn't count as driving, but you're you're driving and they're doing something else, and they cut you off. Right. Well, mm, praise the Lord, right? And maybe your attitude, you, maybe, maybe the words in your mouth and in your heart aren't the most nice things you want to say, right? Or maybe it is you watch the news, and you're not very spirit-led afterwards. I, I, I don't know, right? But you know where you're at. And maybe you've lacked the desire to be obedient. This is an everyday thing for me. Every day. And so I can lack the desire to be obedient over and over and over again. But it's amazing how when I begin just to remind myself remind myself of the amazing acts that God had done, it kind of just rekindles a fire for me to desire to do more for Him, to to, to seek after Him and say, Okay, God, listen, you've done some amazing things in my life, and this person that just cut me off, this isn't that big of a deal, I'm sorry. And you just remind yourself of something amazing. And I guarantee if we just broke out in a testimony service tonight, and we just started sharing miracle after miracle that you've seen individually in your life happen, you could say over and over, God's been good, and you remind yourself of that, we would be here for a long time, right? And it's amazing how when we lack the desire to be obedient, all we have to do is just stir the fire. Because if you just stir those coals that are there... God, thank you for saving me from my sin. Thank you for that car problem just getting fixed, that financial issue just coming through, whatever it is. You just remind yourself of two or three. It's like it changes your whole mindset. And then once it changes your mindset, you, you want to do more because you've seen how God has already done so much for you. So, so here's, here it is in a nutshell tonight. If you're lacking the desire to be obedient, you need to stir your fire. And maybe you can remember it this way. Turn your fire to keep the desire to be obedient. That's what you need to do. Just turn your fire. And maybe, you, I, I wouldn't recommend like, you know, building a holster and carrying this thing around to remind you, but maybe have a note on your phone. Or maybe just decide when I'm grumpy, I'm gonna shoot a text that's positive to somebody. And just remind somebody else. You know, text your wife, hey babe, you're a miracle because you're out of my league. I mean, that's gonna change your life right there in multiple ways. Ladies, remind your husband, hey, babe, I'm out of your league. You're welcome. I mean, it's good stuff. It's good stuff right there. But maybe you just decide, okay, whenever I lack the desire, I'm going to shoot a positive text. When I lack the desire, I'm just going to write something down. When I lack the desire, I'm going to read this verse or say this verse, whatever it is. But just remind yourself of the goodness and of God and the amazing acts that he's done in your life because then that will just rekindle your desire to be obedient And when we are all obedient as individuals, then we get to see God work corporately in amazing ways. And then it exceeds outside of these walls. I mean, Central Baptist Church doesn't look like this just because a bunch of people were disobedient to God. Some amazing things have happened. Last time I was here, I sat by that fire extinguisher because I was a sound guy on Witness. I didn't sing. I wasn't that fancy. But there's a huge youth rally going on. I didn't remember the platform looking like this, but that's because it was all covered up with stuff. But God worked in this room just through the preaching of his word. But he's also worked Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, for years through the preaching of his word. And maybe you need to remind yourself of the time that God just spoke to you exactly what you needed. I mean, this room right here is important to people that come here every single week, multiple times a week. Right? Maybe just remind yourself of the amazing things that have happened right here. Whatever it is. Maybe you got saved. Maybe you got baptized. Maybe one of your kids or your grandkids got saved and then they got dumped back there. I don't know what it is. But just amazing things that God has done. So if you turn your fire and you keep the desire to be obedient, you'll get to see God do even more amazing things. Let's pray, and I'll be done. Father, we're thankful for your word, thankful for how you show yourself evident. And Lord, how you've worked mightily, not only in people of the past or pastors or staff members, but also, God, in just individual believers that day in and day out want to serve you. Lord, I pray that you continue to work here in Ponca City. And Lord, just use this church and, Lord, their testimony. And God, if there's someone here that maybe is just lacking the desire, maybe just had a hard day, Lord, remind them of the amazing things that you've done and help them remember. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Well, that's with good stuff amen they're gonna be out in the foyer you come by and say hello to them we'll be uh, talking over the Colin about his stealing and uh, taking care of that a little bit later as well and if you do have any tracks or papers uh, if keep an eye on them tonight uh, we'll check him on the way out and make sure so good good stuff again uh, DCM Uh, Of course, coming up tomorrow. Keep that in mind. And also coming up in April, we have our uh, missions revival uh, coming up. So we're excited about that as well. We'll be highlighting our missions once again. And so keep that in mind as well. So he already prayed. And uh, so we look forward to seeing you all Sunday. Lord bless you all. You're dismissed. (music)